0: Hello, and welcome to our Unenlightenment podcast. My name is Eric English. I'm your resident philosopher, theologian, and ninja. Hey, another great show for you today. We have with us Matthew DiStefano. Matt is a bestselling author and podcaster. He is the author of the book Heretic and a contributor to the new book, Before You Lose Your Mind, Deconstructing Bad Theology in the Church. Matt is also a columnist and fellow troublemaker on Pathia's Progressive Christian, he is a co-host of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, and he is with us here today. Welcome, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love your
1: setup there. You got the candles and everything, guitar in the background. It's looking, mm. it's looking nice, man.
0: Thanks, thanks. So, hey, be, uh, before we get started and I start drilling you with a whole bunch of questions here, um, tell us a little bit about your, uh, yourself. Like how, how did you find yourself in, in progressive Christianity? What, what happened?
1: Well, I don't even know if I am that I, I guess that's the, uh, the moniker I fall into for Patheos because they have their different channels. Um, I mean, you know, I grew up evangelical and I was a questioner. So I think any questioner who is evangelical, <laughs> I'm not going to say they all walk away from evangelicalism, but they'll probably walk away from the type of evangelicalism that we're talking about, like a, a very rigid fundamentalist, Um, you have to affirm all these certain doctrines. Um, and I apologize if my dog is squeaking in the background. We got, we got a new puppy here, which is really testing my, my Buddhist practice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, I mean, you know, when you're a questioner, when you challenge things, when you're, when you challenge LGBTQ or hell or inerrancy, um, you tend to find yourself in a different camp (laughs) as time goes whether that's agnosticism or atheism or some sort of new age mysticism or progressive Christianity, people tend to fall in different areas. Um, and, and I, I, I don't know if I like the label progressive Christian because I don't, I don't know if I always am progressive politically. And sometimes the two can be conflated. Um, although I am fairly liberal when it comes to a lot of issues, um, but I mean, you know, I think when you when you challenge the status quo of whatever that status quo is, you, you tend to break away from it. Um, and so it's been a long, windy journey. And um, it's been exciting, though, a bit daunting at times.
0: Hmm. No, I would uh, I would agree. Um, so uh, then to say you are controversial might be and inaccuracy maybe um i was thinking about this earlier today maybe a shock jock matt are you the shock jock of christianity i hope not i don't even know what that what does that mean A <laughs> uh, shock jock is just someone who um is always shocking his audience with uh new things no
1: i mean i think uh, first sorry i got something in my eye um i mean i i think like shock jock trying to it's like being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian and I, i'm not sure. trying to do that i'm just asking like i try to ask tough questions and i and i i'm not trying to be clickbaity or anything i just i think people do need to be challenged i'm I'm iconoclastic um but i i i feel like shock jock is more shtick and i'm i try to be real and open and vulnerable
0: about where i'm at and what i'm thinking okay sure um, so I want to talk about something that, um, is a little sensitive. Um, uh, back in April, um, you on Patheos, you came out, uh, as being bisexual. Um, I'm curious what, uh, the initial response you had from friends, family, uh, other uh, people who follow you.
1: Uh, it's, it's a mixed bag. I mean, for the most part, like people are understanding people understand that sexuality is on a spectrum and your sexuality doesn't have to do with who you're having sex with. So I've been married for like 17 Mm -hmm. years to a woman happily married, not changing anything about that. Um, like I just came out about something that is true to me, you know, true for me that I've always felt, although you put language to it later in life, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you're always told these things are from Satan or, you know, this is a temptation and it's not really who you are. And then you realize, okay, that's, Kind of bs and y- you realize who you are and but it doesn't change it doesn't change like your life in in a like practical day-to-day level except for the fact that you're being honest and open um so some people they don't want to hear that they just want to paint the narrative of what that means bisexual equals um you're sleeping around um uh, you're cheating on your wife you know i've been accused of all these things from from people you know in our family my wife's family and they don't want to hear the fact that you could be happily married, monogamous and be bisexual. Like it breaks their brain. Um, they don't want, they're like ostriches with their heads buried <laughs> in the sand. They don't want to, they don't want to think that that anything other than hetero is, is real. Like it, it's so, but for the most part, I mean, like, I mean, my the people that follow me, the people that read me, the, the haters and the trolls have kind of weeded themselves out through the years. You know, I've been doing this for like five or six years online and, and writing for patheos for like three or four years or something and so the, the haters and the trolls kind of have gone away and or they get brushed away really quick because i just don't have time for that so the people that are around like they support me people have had some questions which is great people have had stupid questions like people i've never met with like hey are you having sex with other men right now and it's like i've never met you bro like <laughs> that's a weird first question like I thought when people would find out, they would ask questions about the psychology of it. You know, how it's been like, like the question you just asked, but a lot of people were really curious about what I do with my penis, which (laughs) I I found that to be a really strange leading off question for a stranger. But, um, I mean, overall it's been supportive. Most people have been supportive. My, my parents have been supportive. Um, you know, my true friends have been, but there's, there's been some hurt and harm and, um, led by fear and ignorance of of what bisexual might mean Mm -hmm. and instead of educating themselves they've decided to double down on their ignorance which is
0: which is hurtful when it's family yeah yeah how has the progressive crowd um responded are they also mixed bag or
1: yeah i mean for the most part it's cool but there i mean there is like bi erasure so it's like you get into this almost like you're not really by You're just kind of confused. Um, mm. The one I've seen most is like gay people will be like, oh, but you're still not victimized like I have been. And it's like mm. this isn't the victim Olympics like we could I mean, you could find the most victim oppressed people. And that's like that. It's like we get into a, um, a um, kind of. <laughs> like a challenge on who's more victimized. <laughs> it's like, I'm right. not here to do that. Like, I'm not I, I want gay people to walk down the street being gay, like holding hands, kissing each other. If that's what they're doing, it's not what I do in public. But if you want to do that, fine. I wish society was such where we could have that and it's normal and people don't go. Ugh. But me coming out by is not is not to like undermine the struggle that people before me have gone through. It's simply to say there's another voice out there who is saying, Let's continue to be done with heteronormative as like the ideal. And that's all I'm doing. So there's been a few people like that. And it's like, well, you should have been around when I was coming out again. It's like, well, we could play that game all day long. um, But what's the point? Like, how about we just stand in solidarity and say, yeah, I wish it wasn't like that. I'm sorry it was like that. That's crappy, you know?
0: Well, and it kind of assumes that you came out just to be a victim.
1: Right. And I'm not, I'm not a victim of anything, man. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, there are people that are victimized hundred percent like black folks, gay folks, women throughout, you know, history, but it does, it doesn't mean that you still can't try to do something about it. You still have to live your life. Like, even if you're victimized, like, yes, we as a society can do better. Yes. We need to change the systems that oppress people, but sometimes the world just doesn't care about being victims, about victims. And, and so, (laughs) I mean, it sounds harsh, but sometimes you do have to like move through that. I mean, uh, what other choice is there? And and that's not to diminish anyone's pain or victimization at all. I'm just saying like, sometimes the world doesn't care.
0: So I'm part of uh, the RCA uh, denomination, uh, the Reformed Church in America, and they're uh, heavily struggling with this right now is they have a lot of their churches um, in the the West and the East part of the country who are more accepting and then uh, churches of the Midwest and South and stuff that are not as, not as accepting. And so they're uh, struggling with their own identity, trying to figure out how they can be a church that doesn't harm people, but at the same time is what they believe is faithful to the gospel and and stuff like that. Do you think that it's even possible for the church, unless they are, um, completely, um, like they don't view it as a sin or, or anything like that, unless they're all in, do you think that the, the church is going to be able to, uh, positively handle the situation with homosexualities in the church?
1: Uh, I think, I think that the, I mean, the, like, I, let, let me make sure I clear about your question. Sure. Um are you are you asking like that? Can you can you be non-affirming and still supportive and loving? Is that what you're kind yes. of asking? Mm-hmm. I mean to a, maybe it's all on a spectrum. I mean, not everyone who is non-affirming is the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. Um, but I think to fully embrace people is to affirm them. Um so I, I think there's there's always a bad way like a better way and the best way and i'd say affirming is the best way um it affirms people for who they are um it would almost be like oh can can the church be non-affirming of heterosexuality and and heterosexual people would be like well i would want to be affirmed holy not just kind of like tolerated right so i think if the church is just tolerating something it's not being as as loving as it could be so it's better than yeah picketing funerals and you know making signs and standing on the street corner or doing what someone has done to the heretic happy hour which is leave 52 voicemails in the matter of a week um it's not that because that's like yo calm down but it but it's not the (laughs) best it's not the best like situation
0: for folks who aren't hetero sure um I'm going to switch just a little bit here, a little tangentially. Um, So uh, abortion and homosexuality seem to be the, uh, the big uh, thing that makes people angry the most, I mean, like in put people into a rage. Um, Why do you think that is? What is it? What is it about sex or sexuality that really, what do you think really sets people off? Um.
1: I mean, if, if you let's take the abortion issue for a second. If you really believe you're murdering babies, I can see why that would put you into a rage. Like, I don't see it that way. But if that's what you see, I, I understand being angry about like killing babies like that would be horrible. Right. So but with sex in general, I honestly like sometimes I say I have no idea why this is such an issue. Like there's literally six or seven verses that anachronistically can be used to you know the the so-called clobber passages Mm -hmm. but it's like such a small emphasis in the bible like there's so much more emphasis on loving other people and 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 welcoming in the foreigner or the stranger you know there's a lot of verses about that and compassion and empathy but there's hardly any verses about what people do with their penis um (laughs) (laughs) i'm not reducing lgbt to that but you know what i mean um I think honestly, like a lot of it has to do with, I mean, I could play the, the Gerard route and say that the LGBT community looks like us, the heteronormative people, but they're a little bit different. So they are an easy scapegoat and societies need a scapegoat in order to function in order to, it's like the pressure release valve of a pressure cooker. If it doesn't have one, the society blows up and implodes upon itself and, and, And societies need an easy other that isn't completely other that that can be kind of like us, but a little bit different so that we can blame all of our ills on and the LGBTQ community fits that easily. That's why they get blamed or we get blamed, I guess, for, uh, you know, tornadoes and hurricanes and things (laughs) like that, which is ridiculous. Um, So I think there's a part of that. I think there's also a part of not not knowing our own true sexual selves and I think there's a lot of people with maybe some repressed homoerotic feelings that are then projecting and lashing out at the people who are out and proud and not shamed, uh, not feeling shame for who they are. And then they lash out and demonize them. But really, it's internal projection of their own fears about maybe their own sexuality. I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, I wouldn't say that's entirely the case, but you find all these people who are like the loudest anti-gay people out there oh they get caught with x y and z it's like Mm -hmm. thou dost protest
0: too much you know (laughs) um yeah and i think some of that also can be seen in the sex scandals that have just been plaguing the church recently and um you know like a lot of that i I think that there is uh, definitely a a repressive nature to the the church when it comes to sexuality um And that probably has a lot to do with that. Well, and and it it also attacks their entire purity culture. Right. And so the purity
1: culture is based on gender norms and sexual Mm -hmm. norms. And, and a challenge to that is a challenge to the status quo that they've become comfortable with. And they've probably profited and benefited off of. Yeah. So typically those in charge, those in the highest rung of society, which would typically be like white straight men, um, any challenge to that they see as like an attack to their way of life mm-hmm. so so you know if if that's why a lot of a lot of people you know they they don't like the challenge from black lives matter they don't like the challenge from lgbt and pride Month. Oh, what about what about straight pride month you know you get people like that it's like mm-hmm. that's been every month for history for all of history <laughs> like calm the hell down it's like it's like the kids who get uh, upset that there's mother and father's day it's like yo I mean, you're a kid, like every day is kids day, except for right. one day, you know, calm, calm down.
0: Yeah, I you're, kids. You're, gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be
1: fine. You're gonna be fine. If, uh, if certain people get a month or a couple of days here.
0: Yeah, yeah. And really, I mean, it's not to celebrate oftentimes as much as it is to educate uh, totally. people. So
1: well, um, and, and, and part of it is a celebration, too. It's like celebrating the fact that you don't feel ashamed any longer. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like, there's been so much stigma and and um and and shame poured onto certain communities especially um you know gender and sexual minority groups that it's like let's have it's like a celebration of who you are because you're no longer ashamed anymore and also like you said to educate you know like i've had to i've had to tell people that bisexual and monogamy are not mutually exclusive you don't have to have sex with a bunch of people to be bisexual, just like you knew you were straight before you, you know, you could be a straight virgin, mm-hmm. right? Just like you can be a monogamous bisexual person. And yeah. I know that breaks the brains of some people, but um, that's okay. Yeah. Like two is things about are having... completely different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: About your book, Heretic. Um, I think that uh, it is a good book. I think that it is. it is it falls into the category of one of those books I wish I had written. So congratulations. Oh, um, no, <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, I think it nicely summarizes the, uh, debates that often occur between evangelicals and people who are more progressive in nature. Um, yeah. and so tell me what was, why did you write that book? What, what was the catalyst for that?
1: Well, I mean, I try to, um, I'm not sure what you try to do on Patheos or or what you try to do, but for me, like I read like really dense books that are, I don't read them as much as I used to, but historically I've been reading, you know, like 1200 page books by Doug Campbell and and J. Louis Martin and these really dense scholarly books that I would never dream of writing, nor would I want to, nor could I. But I think what, what is uh, found in some of those really scholarly books is a lot of nuggets of truth. Mm-hmm. How do we then distill it to the person who's not going to, you know, like my wife, she's, she's really smart. She's an RN. She, you she know, she's been an RN for a long time, really educated. She's just not interested in the deep, you know, scholarly theological things. So how do I communicate what I think is important to people who aren't going to read those books? Um, so that's what I've taken on. In addition to the fact that I get asked a lot of questions like you probably do mm-hmm. over and over and over. And instead of wanting to just, answer them all the time it's like okay let me put forth a succinct answer that still has a lot of information there so the question of lgbtq i've got a chapter on that the question of hell or free will or the quote unquote end times i have like a chapter on each of these so it's 10 of evangelicals common questions that i get asked either on patheos or on the hotline of heretic happy hour things like that and um i hope i did a decent job answering them but there's an extensive bibliography if you want to go deeper so it's one of those things where it's like this is introductory material for people who are sincerely asking questions and then there's the opportunity to dig deeper outside of my book so it's kind of like a it's like a gateway drug from from (laughs) hardcore evangelicalism to good scholarly stuff
0: well that's great uh but one of the uh uh you know if you were to I just see a lot of either comments or things I've read in, uh, some of your books, uh, some of the articles that I've looked at. There is a, this theme that of universalism that runs through a lot of your stuff. Um, sure. how did you become a universalist? What was the, and maybe explain to us what, what you mean by that? Well, even
1: that has changed for me over the years. So, um, my first book all set free was, a. um, was published by Whippenstock in 2015, was very heavily Christian universalist, patristic universalism. So the type of universalism argued by, you know, early church fathers like Origen and Clement of Alexandria and even Gregory of Nyssa, um, a very Jesus-centered, Christocentric universalism where Christ uh, reconciles the entire world. I I don't, um, I don't know if I'm not there and I don't know if I am there. So I do believe in a happy ending for all of humanity. How that works out, I'm pretty agnostic about. Um, So I I do think that there is intrinsic value that all are made in the image and likeness of God, that all have the spark of the divine, whether Christian, Buddhist, Sikh, Muslim, agnostic, or otherwise. Um, And I do think there is a happy ending and a reconciliation of all things that Paul talks about. Um, But again, I don't know... how it works out, I just believe that it does work out. Okay. And whether it's Christ-centered, whether it's the Christian, you know, the, the Christian universalist way, or whether it's something like the way of the bodhisattva in, in Zen Buddhism, where um the, the the role of that who is the, the one who is the bodhisattva is to put off their enlightenment for the sake of all sentient beings, for the enlightenment of all. And that at at the end, you are kind of the last one to become enlightened by your own desire to aid those around you in becoming enlightened. So the the telos of all of that is the enlightenment of all, the reconciliation of all. Again, I don't care how it plays out. I just I just hope in a happy ending. (laughs) Call it a fairy tale. I don't care. You know, Calvinists have accused me of believing in a fairy tale. I'd rather believe in a fairy tale than a than a tragedy
0: so you um you you incorporate a lot of uh uh eastern and and various uh religious um i don't want to say ideologies but just uh yeah. perspectives sure uh in your in your own faith um sure h- how does that how does that work very nicely
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> no i mean look i i i think that I think that each faith tradition, when, when you take a more mystical approach, when you take a more unitive approach um, is all trying to say the same thing. And look like Buddha came from his context. Jesus came from his context. Muhammad came from his context, but at the end of the day, I think they're all trying to kind of say the same thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're all describing the moon from our vantage point. And it Mm -hmm. might look different to you in, uh, in, in, in Michigan, it's going to look different to my friends in Ireland or, or in Europe. It's going to look different to the folks in Australia, but we all, when we point at it, we all say, Oh yeah, I recognize that. looks different for me, but I recognize it. That's what I see the mystic traditions of the mystical tradition within each faith tradition as trying to do. So the Sufi, mm-hmm. the Mahayana Buddhist, the uh, the Christian mystic, like, like Richard Rohr and Teresa of Avila and brother Lawrence. I think, I think those folks could get together and have conversations and kind of nod their head and go, oh, I disagree with this. I agree with this more so. And they're more, more in line with what they're saying than than the mystic, the, the progressive Christian with the Westboro Baptist guy. Mm-hmm. And there's more in common with the first group than, than the second group, even though, even though the second group are all Christians, you know, quote unquote Christians. And so I just I see truth as kind of transcending all faith traditions, though I see that each faith tradition has truth. hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the tension. I think you can practice Buddhism and you could be a Christian, just like you can practice yoga and be a Christian. I don't yeah. think the two are mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. just like bisexual and, and monogamous aren't. You know, it, we try to fall into these binary camps of it's either this or that. It's, it's either black or white. It's up or down. It's left or right. And those are fine for certain things. You know, If you're telling me directions to your house, that's fine. We can live in that binary world. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, I think we have to become, uh, to quote my friend Michelle Collins, we have to go into the gray.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a place in the church for, um, uh, in the realms of discipleship and different things like that, to embrace some of these these different cultural, because a lot of these are cultural too. Um, totally. And these practices that have been held for thousands of years sometimes even longer than our own yeah. and uh so yeah i think that the church can learn a lot from that
1: absolutely and and you know it's all about compassion and love and empathy and you could be a christian you could not be a christian you could be a jew you not be a jew what's really important is how you treat your neighbor what's really important is how you treat others around you um we can bicker about doctrines and all that kind of stuff, but that's, that shouldn't be primary. I think what's primary and what's taught by the great leaders of each faith tradition is how do you treat others? Are you merciful? Are you compassionate? Do you care about the poor? Do you care about the oppressed?
0: Mm -hmm. What makes you reside uh, more in Christianity than, and I'm making an assumption here, but what makes you reside more in Christianity than does any of the other Beliefs. i don't know if
1: i don't know if i do but if i did i would say it's, it's simply because of my context most
0: oh, okay. people
1: in america well i mean the numbers are fading <laughs> as the polls suggest mm-hmm. um but my context is christianity my background is christianity my but the people i grew up with were evangelical um i'm speaking to that first and foremost i know a lot more christians than i do buddhists or muslims um i think what i'm what i'm speaking about transcends christianity but for the most part the people i'm talking to are either christian or post christian but they come from that context. so if i was in the middle east i, I you know I, I in the arab world i might be speaking about these things from a muslim perspective. if i was in india, tibet, you know in the east i might be speaking from a hindu or a buddhist context. if that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. yeah. but but i don't know if i, I personally Look on the day to day. Unless you're asking me these questions, I don't think about it. Yeah. Like I, I just don't. I I I I try to be mindful. I try to be present, and whatever that is is like the labels we use are fine. But it's like it's like carrying your canoe across the river. When you get to the other side, you no longer need to carry it.
0: So hey, Matt, thanks for joining us today. Everybody, go out there and pick up his book, um, Heretic, and. Uh, the new book, Before You Lose Your Mind, Destructing Bad Theology in the Church, is also a really good book. Uh, we talked about that in our last podcast with, um, with Keith Giles. And so just thanks for joining us and having a conversation. Well, thanks for having me. I
1: appreciate it. And, and I will say, I, I hope everyone does pick up Before You Lose Your Mind. I, we kind of wrote it as a, you may have, Keith may have said this, as a response to the Gospel Coalition's Before You Lose Your right. Faith and i mean so it's kind of that but it's also like i i just think we're trying to be we don't have an agenda you know i i don't know what everyone believes in that book and it doesn't matter to me because the journey is important so i might be way different than keith on a lot of things and we're way different than derek who's you know another host of the heretic happy hour and his you know so but all of our perspectives are going to be different but we all cherish the perspective and say hey You know, it. this journey is important to go through, no matter what your conclusion is on the other side, because that conclusion is honestly going to change.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent book. Definitely go out there and check it out. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me.